This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello and welcome to episode the 62nd of Tamper Tantrum. My name episode is... the 62. My name is Colin Harmon. Um, broadcasting alone this week. Um... <laughs> is this the Harmon monologue? <laughs> the har- a harmalog, log Colin log It's not working, is it? It's not. No, we should definitely leave. It doesn't. That it doesn't alone. roll off the tongue. It kind of. It kind of clings to the tongue. It, it clings to the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Now I can wholeheartedly recommend podcasting on your own. <laughs> it went well, didn't it? Do you know what? All the way through, I just kept sitting there going. Jeez, I'm not Tom Owen, am I? <laughs> I'm really not Tom Owen. It's like a really bad cover band. <laughs> kind of like, you know, just... Well, I, I, I thought it was really good. And I think, like, of all the ones that you're, like, that you're likely to, to pull off, it was definitely Bolivia. Like, Bolivia is your, your topic of choice. That would be your mastermind subject. I, I, we were talking about this earlier, and I'm not sure whether it is, like... But I, you said it was earlier. No, but like... You can't contradict no, yourself. No, I can't contradict this because I've been thinking about it. I do the thinking, you see, Carl. So I'll say it and then I'll make no. Colin repeat it to me and then when he repeats it, I'll tell him he's being an idiot. Well, there's a reason why he's like... I think everybody know, like has heard what I've said already. Yeah. So I don't want to kind of repeat myself and go over the same things. Hasn't stopped you before. It hasn't stopped me before, but that's because I'm incredibly stupid and forget things. But it was like... I, I'm scared that I'm saying things I've said before or I'm actually missing things because I think I've said them before. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I'd I do. rather have a topic. Like, I really want to do a time tantrum where like, I haven't done the topic before. Yeah. So it's like, blank page, I tell you everything that I know about this thing. Yeah. Like, I, uh, I don't know if you know this, Stephen, but I do quite a lot of talks for our kind sponsors, Nova Simonelli. And we wholeheartedly endorse their products and things. Literally, oh, we definitely. wholeheartedly endorse them. <laughs> and they, uh, so I do a talk that's generally somewhere between 40 minutes and two hours. But the, the key structure of the talk is like, make point A, B, C, and then point D appears itself, and then you wrap up with point G. Okay. Uh, but the problem is that like, sometimes I've done the talk like six times in the last five days. And I miss out one of the steps. So when I go, and we arrive at this point, everybody's like, how the fuck did you get there? And you're like, oh yeah, I never mentioned the thing before. Yeah, so I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you don't know if you're, uh, if you're repeating yourself or if you're completely missing, missing stuff out. I think the other problem with Bolivia for me too is that a lot of it is through translation. So I'll ask a question, somebody asks a question, and I get an answer back. Yeah. And I know that stuff gets lost in translation. And I know that the coffee community are particularly picky. Do you not speak Bolivian? I don't speak the Bolivian. <laughs> um, I know the coffee community, like, if you make a mistake in the coffee community, oh my God, they will slaughter you for it. The internet wouldn't, would they? they, they, they there are some keyboard warriors out there oh. that will tear you a new one. So I'm really scared of getting it wrong as well. Mm. So that's why... And everybody... You like you said to me, well, Bolivia is kind of your thing, and you know everything with that. So if I get something wrong, it completely ruins that interpretation that I do know everything about Bolivia because yeah. I know nothing about Bolivia. If I'm honest, it's like tiny, tiny bits. Yeah, and I'm learning more every time I go, and probably I, I've been a lot more than most buyers have and most people have. How many times have you been? Ten. Wow, it's my tenth year on the trot since two thousand and six. It's my seventh time I did the death road on the bike. Wow. Yeah. 
So like I am learning more every time I go and I do come away thinking, oh yeah, no, I've really kind of got something new from this one. But still, I don't want to get it wrong. And I also, I think so, it's such an important topic for me that I don't want to get it wrong. So it was a lot of pressure. It really was. And also I had around about three minutes preparation. So you, you left us kind of on a cliff edge of, oh, we're hopeful that this is going to be a good trip. And then Jen filled us in that the... Um, uh, that yeah, there was a, a landslide, so you couldn't make it to Magic Mark at the end. But generally, like what and I ask you this every year when you come back from Bolivia, what is your impression of Bolivia now? Because I remember last year, like you were, you were sad when you mm-hmm. came home. Like there was a there was a sadness and everything you told me about it. I mean, you were excited about the potential of the country, but I think there was you were kind of resigned to the fact that a lot of the coffee production in the country is fucked, for want of a better word. It's a perfect, no, actually, there is no better word. No, it is a perfect word for it. It really Fucked. is. And, and, and I am. I'm, I'm completely depressed about it. It's, you know, you have the highlights that I was talking about with Pedro and his farms that he's invested in. And one man is taking control of his business and making sure that it has longevity. But like this year, we're not going to see David Vilka, which is a coffee that's super close to my heart. And instead, we're going to see Family Vilka because his son has contributed to the lot and it's kind of come together. And that's purely because his yields have just dropped to so little that they can't separate them anymore. They can't, you know, keep them in separate lots. And the quality isn't there. If they keep them in the separate lots, it needs to be this kind of coming together of the best of the two farms. Yeah. Um, there's a Soldamana project that I talked about, which is helping lots of farmers. So like uh, a guy called Vicente Paye, Paye, sorry. Murphy. Um, he's getting lots of help and advice and taking it all on board he's very progressive and forward thinking in his coffee farming and he's willing to take the advice on but for every Vincente there's a heap of people that don't want to take the advice are suspicious of the advice and are seeing their yields disappear Um, and it's going to get to the point where there'll be 10 farms 15 farms from Bolivia that are producing anything any good I I honestly feel it's going to be that small and then you might occasionally find an interesting lot from a, a group of people that put together. But it's going to be, you know, we, we crave this um, transparency and, you know, crave the provenance of coffees. And it just feels like Bolivia's, it's disappearing, it's going. You know, we're, we're not going to get that with many, many farms. Just at the time where we're getting these great varietals and this really interesting stuff coming through, we're going to lose what's made it really brilliant. There's a really interesting thing that I really love on Instagram. And because uh, I'm not a green coffee buyer, so I like making fun of green coffee buyers. But when the green coffee buyer is in, in another country and they're like the intrepid explorer and they're doing their whole Indiana Jones <laughs> to the jungle deal and they'll show a picture of like something they've come across. But then you see... 15 other green buyers from different roasteries picking, posting the same picture and you know that they're in a tour bus yeah. and they're being brought everywhere yeah. you don't see that in Bolivia do you? It's more and more I was really sorry. so the week before I went Jose from Monmouth who is an amazing friend and works for an amazing coffee company um, he was there uh, um, uh, Melbourne uh, what's the guys in Melbourne? Uh, uh, Market Lane. Market Lane. Yeah, thank you. Purveyors Market. of great coffee. And Jason Shelters has a new book. Yes. There. And do you know what? In the room I was Can we invoice in... him for me saying that? Is that weird? Yeah, we'll invoice him. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, the room I was stopping in at the mill had a signed copy of Jason's book in there. So I had a quick look <laughs> so He'd really? been there the week before. Wow. Or, or Market Lane had been there the week before and they took a copy of his book. I don't know if he'd been there. That's a good sign. Um, 
and and there's more and more buyers making their way there, which I like. I, I'd like to think I've had a tiny part in just by promoting the the, the region, like just by shouting about it a lot. I, I you know I hope that it's had a the smallest effect on more people going there. But um, no, it's really. I mean, it, it's exciting and depressing at the same time, and and I really don't know which way it's going to go. Like yeah. that's the other thing is it could be that this is the start of something amazing with what Pedro's doing. And the Soldamana project is really exciting because the guys that are doing it are seeing increases in yields. They're planting new plant stock for the first time in, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, nurseries are everywhere. Um, it's really exciting. I but, think it has a perception problem as well. And I, I'm blind to this sometimes because we've obviously had lots of great Bolivians over the years because of yourself. And our, our customers in Dublin are used to it because because of, of all of that work. But then sometimes people that aren't from Dublin or from the UK uh, come to the shop and they're like, Bolivia? Yeah. And you're like, what's so surprising about that? Because to us, it's one of the staples. It's one of the, like we look forward to Bolivia all year round because it's just, Bolivians are just, they just do something that other coffees can't do. Yeah. They fit a profile that is just so an un-African because of the sweetness, because of the body, because of the, but they've got interesting acidities to them as well. And I think they're, they're like perfect for espresso. It, like in my head, that's my espresso. You know, like I yeah, completely yeah, I completely agree with that. But the the thing, okay, this is a really weird analogy. But you like weird analogies. Don't I you? like weird analogies. So Bolivia, liking Bolivia is like liking furniture. Okay, so if you have if you're really into furniture, right, you'd have a piece of furniture that is just, it's it, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay, it's not flash in any way. It could it's probably plain. But there's, it's nothing wrong with it. You can't find fault with it. It's just perfect. And it might not be something that's a, that like a regular furniture buyer would like, but anyone who's really into it would just say, I appreciate the perfection of enough in yeah. that. And to me, that's what Bolivian is because a lot of people, like someone who isn't really into coffee might taste Bolivian and go, yeah, taste like coffee. And someone who's really into coffee will taste Bolivian and go, that's incredible. There's lots of complexity. The sweetness is there. The acidity is there. There's a balance in believing coffee that I find hard to get in other coffees. Mm. Like people talk about balance all the time. Yeah. But to me, balance is, in, in terms of a, a flavor profile, is if someone said, find me a balanced coffee, I'm going to Bolivia. I think, I think the other thing that excites me particularly about Bolivia as well is just that, and this is the selfish part of me, um, you know, why I got into coffee and all of those things was to try and make some kind of difference somewhere. You know, like when I, the, 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 the motivation to grow as a coffee roastery wasn't money. Yeah. Like if I wanted to make lots of money, I'd never be a coffee roaster, do something else. It'd be much easier, but it was to make a difference at origin. It's to make that difference with a producer's life and the potential to do that in Bolivia is far exceeded than anywhere else I travel to. Mm-hmm. because you do have individual farmers that have their own farms that are growing their own coffee. You know, you go to Ethiopia, there'd be lots of potential there, but you're working with a co-op. Mm-hmm. The co-op system takes some of the value away that you're doing. And when it's not big value, because yeah. I'm not a big buyer, then that gets diluted. So yeah, it's good, but it's not as fulfilling as, you know, seeing somebody like Vincente and his family, like, happy to see you. Like, they, they were, like, they, they all came... Uh, because the the family live um, in Caranavi and La Paz, so they kind of and, and Vincente is the only one who stays on the farm the whole time. But they all came, and the son, who uh, young Vincente, who is he's like eight nine years old, the whole time I was there was following me around with his camera phone, videoing me, like he just got this camera phone and he was like he just followed me everywhere. <laughs> um, and we asked the we asked the daughter, 
Uh, they said there's an older daughter and a younger daughter. I can't remember the names because I'm terrible with names. But the younger daughter, she must be like six, seven years old. And uh, I travelled with Joanna from Drop. And Joanna asked her, like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says, I want to be you. I want to travel the world and I want to be you. And it was just like, they were so excited to see us. And they were, you know, it, it, it's beautiful. And, and that's, the, that's the potential of Bolivia, is you can make a difference. Because it is subsistence growing. It is farmers that are earning their livings from the land. Um, yeah, El Salvador's great. But, like, I'm not going to make Ali's life better. Yeah. You know? And I made it a little better. And it's going to be, like, a, a business and a project and all of that. But I'm not going to make his life massively better, whereas yeah. there you, are, you get the chance to. You know what the really difficult part about, like, what you're talking about is, like, the, the ability to make an impact to somebody's life. It's such a hard st- story to sell somebody now because it's been done so much that people don't really trust that message anymore. I've actually stopped talking about that now though. And it's just like, and I like going back to the blog post I did a few years ago about direct trade and how we were dropping that. And it was about like, you're going to have to trust me as a roaster that I'm doing a good thing. You're going to have to trust me as a green buyer. I'm doing the right thing. Um, and, and I think we've tr- started to stop saying that message so much about it. Cause it isn't like, that's for me. That's my selfish bit. Like for the consumer, and this is how it should be, is they get some tasty coffee. They get some tasty coffee that they love, and they get to hear a story about a person that's managing a farm. And, and that's the story we've got to tell, that they're building a business, and this is sustainable and long-term, and not, you know, we're making their lives better. That's what this podcast is for. Yeah, yeah no, that makes <laughs> sense. That makes sense. But it, it did strike me that during WBC, um, we had... Um, so many people being surprised by having a Bolivian offering. You know, mm-hmm. it's an interesting. Uh, an interesting and there's not much coffee there. You know, there's like twenty five thousand bags this year. Um, tw- yeah, your cup is empty, Cole. I'm sorry. For those people at home, I just realised that I didn't make coffee for the podcast, which is no, mm. a little sad. It means it's going to fall off the end in about twenty minutes when we're uncaffeinated. Yeah. So um, here, look, look, what the, another thing I want to ask you on before we move on, unless you were about to say something, were you? I was going to say something, and I've completely... Oh, oh, yeah, about there's not much production there, but also it's like it's a horrible place to get to. Yeah. It's a horrible place to get to, it really is. Um, and, and, you you know, you can't just... Like El Salvador or Costa Rica, you can just turn up and find somebody to buy coffee from. You're literally that easy. Um, whereas there, you've got to know what you're doing and where you're going. And, and it's it's safe, but it's not super safe. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to do that was leading on for that is, like... Is there an, like, is there another country out like out there like that in terms of like is there a country that you'd love to get your hands on? Oh god, yeah, I've got. There's somewhere that I'm like obsessed in getting to, and I've never been, and I don't think I'll ever get the chance to go. Um, it's like an impossible dream. I'd love to go to Yemen. Really? Oh, I'd love to go to Yemen. Like Yemen for me is the potential there is huge. Like you think about Ethiopia. The reason Ethiopians are so good is. They, the heirloom stock, like the, the, the amount of diversity that's in their varietals mean that you can't get an idea what their varietals are. Yemen has that. Like Yemen's the second oldest place to have coffee. Yeah. Like that's where it all came through. Um, and I've had some Yemens that have blown my mind different. Makatari, is that the yes. last one I remember yes. you having? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not everybody's coffee like then you know i was going to say cup of tea but you were going to make some ah. terrible joke and yeah i saw i avoided that but the, i think yemen has such potential and it's so interesting and as a country it's so interesting like the political unrest 
the civil unrest. It's completely kicked off now. Yeah, oh, it's just, it's, it's lawless. It's a complete, like, if they had oil, we'd go and fix them, I'm sure. I saw a video the other day of a mass protest in the centre of the city, which name escapes me now. Uh, and um, there must there must have been a million people at this protest. It was colossal. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And flying over the head were Saudi jets that were dropping bombs in the mountains on the people that this crowd was supporting. It's just, it's like something out of a film. Yeah. It's insane. I nearly got to go, you know. When I was nearly this? got to go. So uh, Q, uh, the Q grader mm. people, were organised... Not the dude from James Bond. No, not the dude from James Bond. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, they were looking for people to go out and do a like a cupping competition out there you're not a Q grader so you can't do it well that was part of the problem really uh, yeah I, yeah but I got so they shortlisted it down to I think it was six people for four places yeah um, and then you got then you got axed because you weren't a Q grader no I think the main reason for getting axed maybe that was a sales pitch maybe we're like I'll tell you what let's get him down on a shortlist yeah, right? yeah, yeah. but he gets kicked <laughs> off because he's not a Q grader and then we'll go in for the kill well, and we're now luckily Rookie supported my application as well and she's queen of the Q so darn tootin yeah but I am um, yeah, so they, they wanted big importers more than individual buyers. I was never going to buy enough to make uh, make it worthwhile getting me out there, I think. Yeah. But I, I would love to go. The, the way they were telling me it was organised there, there was armed guards picked you up from the plane and drove you in an armed convoy to an armed hotel where you were locked away. Several you... times a week I get asked why I don't go to coffee first. <laughs> I always struggle for an oh, answer. But that's an Instagram moment, isn't it? If ever oh. you've seen one... <laughs> And we get that down Sheriff Street sometimes. Don't worry about that. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but I mean, how about you? What's the one place that? Oh, of all the coffee countries I've visited. No, not uh, you visited, but like the coffees that you think you can see potential. Like I'm, I'm gonna lead you down a path of like the Ugandan sample that you've got. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we were supposed to cook that today. Um, the <laughs> yeah, the Uganda is a country that sticks out and. Dr. Congo, I think, would be an interesting country. Dr. Congo. We've started to see some stuff come out of there sample wise. We've had some this year. Very solid 82 to 84 point coffees. Because you hear stories of, of coffees that leave, like, to your Congo and leave, um, maybe even leave Yemen and leave um, uh, other countries uh, in that area and appear in, in other countries because it's easier to sell it there, you know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. like, you'd, you'd, you'd pay more for a coffee at a Kenyan than you would for a Uganda, but if you got the Ugandan coffee to Kenya and sold it, you'd probably get more. Oh, for there's it. a lot of Yoga Chef I driven over the border to Kenya and stuff. It's because you get more for it there when the markets are up in Kenya. Yeah. Um, and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there is potential in, in Uganda. I haven't seen it yet. Well, I've actually, I have bought one this year. Um, it hasn't arrived yet. A Ugandan coffee? Yeah, really? yeah it's, it's a very small lot, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to scaring people with it. Well, I, I spoke to, uh, so for those that don't, obviously everybody doesn't know. I know. Um, my cousin... Um, <laughs> I've heard in, this before, Carl. You don't need to tell me this. <laughs> ...is involved in a, a project um, to improve the quality of coffee that's been grown in Uganda. And he's purely at the logistic level. and was like, uh, Colin, you know stuff about coffee, so it's not anything, it's a joint project or anything. Like that. He obviously doesn't know you very well. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he, um, uh, yeah, so anyway, he sends us some samples to try and they're actually, they're pretty good. But I was telling um, Katie Cardillo about, and she's um, getting more involved with Ugandan coffee as well. And I see a lot more, I don't know, there's a lot more people visiting 
that you see on you know, kind of in Instagram and, and that kind of stuff. So it seems and like a country that has. I nearly did the Taste of Harvest last year for really? it. Yeah, yeah, they invited me to that, but I did Ethiopia instead. And isn't it funny? Like, it's kind of the thing about what I was just saying about Bolivia, but like, isn't it funny that if you went into a coffee shop, like, I hate to say this, right? But if I went into a coffee shop, if I was, let's say, I'm on holiday somewhere and I go to a coffee shop and it says, oh, we've got a Ugandan coffee, I'd be like, <laughs> you know, and that's really, yeah. Yeah. That's the hard thing you have to get over, you know. But that's why I think. Because like, you're never, you're never wrong. No. It's not like a wine, you know, like you can buy, like, so recently I had a wine from Georgia and I was like, oh, and but I think that's interesting. It must be good if it's in this restaurant and it's from Georgia and you try it and it's amazing. And then the waiter told me that like, Georgia, the 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 oldest record of wine being produced and the oldest wine available at the moment is from Georgia. Wow. And it was not my favourite one, but it's definitely interesting. But obviously I want to pull everything back to Bolivia, but I, I had some amazing Bolivian wines. Really? Amazing Bolivian wines. Like I wanted to bring some back with me because I know that you're you're into your wine like I am, and I was going to bring you a bottle back, but I had no I do in my luggage. I have a drinking problem. It's uh, like some of the some of the vineyards are like seventeen, eighteen hundred meters above sea level. Wow! So that's like real slow maturation, which we know in wine develops flavor and like it, it's and vines love to struggle. Well, I tell you what, they'll struggle at eighteen hundred <laughs> meters. <laughs> you yeah. won't struggle. I'll give you struggle. Yeah, um, but no, and, and it's funny because I've been before and it's been horrible. Like the, some of the wines I've had have been terrible, but there really has been a change in. And I had some decent beer as well from really? Bolivia as well, which was really exciting. There's a guy um, called David Llewellyn uh, in Dublin. He's from a place called Lusk, which is just north of where Stephen Marcy's from. And, Stimo. Yeah. And so he has a. Uh, he produces incredible um, like cider and cider vinegars and all sorts of apple products. But he also makes wine called Luska, after the place where it's from. And. Um, Every, I think the wine writers in Ireland like to kind of poo-poo it and it's available in some shops because it's kind of twee and, oh, look, we're Irish, Irish people producing wine. But apparently this year's production uh, is, or this, this year's release, I should say, is uh, really good. Um, it's kind of like the whole English wine thing. It's sparkling wine. Yeah, thing, yeah. There's an English like sparkling wine I had. It was amazing. Phenomenal. Like, I, and, and like, if you can get over your snobbery that it's not champagne, it's better. Like oh some yeah, of them are just it won a blind tasting at some. Yeah, so uh, now it is, and it, it, it ties back into this whole. You've got to forget the origin, and you've just got to taste it. Like, but we see less Nazi shocks Ganda, though. Bolivia, all of those kind of. Places. You do see less shocks though. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you see, you don't see enough. I see lots of samples where I'm really shocked that the coffee's from there or from that region or. Where was like the we, last got one? we got an Ethiopian natural, uh, and it, it, we cooked an Ethiopian natural from uh, Jimma. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jimmer is resound, renowned for being resound, renowned for being pretty commodity grade Ethiopian, you know. And it was fantastic. It was really good, um, you know. And every now and again, I still get shocked by different regions producing. Like we got an Indian coffee that you think Indian coffee, but I really love this Indian coffee. I keep going back to it. It's a coffee I take home, and when I say to people I've got an Indian, they go, "What?" It's like, but it's really good. And you, there it's are... It's like a decaf. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it, it can be interesting. It's not uh, the Balmadi one again. Remember the one... That oh, the Balmadi was mental. I mean, that was mad as, mad as a frogs. But now this is uh, a pea breed that we get from uh, South 
uh, west. No, 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 no. Never eat shredded wheat. Yeah. Exactly what I was doing in my head. <laughs> it never gets old. From from never wheat. Well, I tell you, at my so, end of things, um, the thing that I have pleasant, been pleasantly surprised by lately is that going to coffee shops and not knowing, just like, you know, we're just going here because I've got kids and they want cake. <laughs> and like having coffee, I'm like, this coffee's good. Like that's, that's the kind of the same sort of shocking thing to me, which is like, it's, usually I'm drinking my wife's because I've been too snooty to order one. Yeah. But it's a nice pleasant surprise. Yeah, that's cool. A tenuous segue, but you mentioned Stephen Morrissey. I did. Did you watch his talk that went out last week? I did. I was there when he said I knew you were there as well. <laughs> no, so was I, but I went back and watched it again. I haven't. No, sorry. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it more when he wasn't there. It I know was just I'd, me in my pants. I did. Um, I did start watching it and then I might leave, but it's a. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Mm, like, I don't know what the point was still. Well, this is it, okay? Because Stephen <laughs> said to me, we had dinner recently, and he said, um, that, uh, I said, oh, your talk was really good. He goes, oh, well, I kind of got up and talked about nothing. And I was like, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> he got the biggest round of applause and the, the most questions from yeah. saying nothing, which, can you imagine if he'd actually said I'm something? I'm just interested in what he's saying, though, you know? Yeah. And he says it in such an interesting way. I think I would definitely. It's actually, it's only afterwards I was like, I'm surprised by how little we do hear from Stephen. Because there was a time when you heard nothing but Stephen. And then. It, it's funny, like, me catching up with him at WBC. Um, and we went out to dinner together and stuff. It, like, the older I'm getting, the more of a man crush I'm getting on him. Yeah. Well, is that, is that wrong of me? Well, I, I think he'll be heavily involved in the aggressive takeover. Oh, yes, the aggressive so, takeover. Um, the, 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 I, for one, welcome our new um, bearded, soft toned overlord. Yeah. How long do you think till we Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> we should start a campaign, I think, should we? Yeah, we should, yeah. Definitely, yeah. We get Nigel Farage on board. That's a fantastic segue, Colin, about the unification. Were you surprised by the result? Was I surprised? I don't think I... Well, I was in the sense of, like... This doesn't make any sense, but... In the sense of it not making sense, that I expected it to to pass, but I wasn't going to be shocked if it didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I just... I, I, and it was a complete Brexit hangover. I was like, oh, well, like I didn't expect Brexit to pass, and it did. So this obviously is, is going to go through. But yeah, I'm just glad that it's a little bit more fully formed and it it's a sensible. Mm. I honestly, I, towards the end, I, initially I thought it was just a done deal. As soon as SCIE said, yes, we want to do it, I was expecting. It's like when, uh, do you watch First Date on TV? No. It's like this thing where these couples go meet up this film and they have dinner together. And oh, then they go yeah. Sit in the oh, sorry, room I thought you said first eight. Oh, first date. Okay. So on first date, they sit there and they go, uh, will you see them again? And go, no, you say first. And when the SCAE said, yeah, we'll, we'll go on another date together. Uh, so no, I was, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally thought he was just going to whiz through. And then the old boys started banging their drums. That was a little cringy. Yeah, it was a little cringy and it was a little kind of, I don't know, it, it was sad because if, and the reason the SCIE one flew through was baristas had a vote, whereas the SCIA one, it was business owners that had the vote. The barista guild members don't have a vote. Yeah. Um, and and we, I think we talked about that. They should change before. that for the new one, eh? I, I, I would demand it, I think, I think as part and of... Then like, what about Canada? What about Australia? What about Japan? Like... Oh, we'll take those over that's, soon that's, enough. Yeah, that's everyone. Oh, yeah, it's us now, isn't it? Now, yeah. we're the aggressive. We're the aggressive type. Now we have the might of the You hear that, SCIA. Ben Push? I'm coming for you. <laughs> uh, 
Um, that'd be amazing. Well, Pergo, we're on our way. Yeah, seriously. Kentaro, you're dead meat. You're dead meat, Kentaro. <laughs> Definitely. It was, um, but I'd be excited about that. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's it can it can only be good news. The offices are going to be in London, though. I think are they? Well, we'll see. I think that might. I think they might have to change that. Really? I think the whole Brexit thing might have to change. If that. only there was a country between the UK and oh, the US. Oh, God, you're like already doing this. Like a small one, like an you're island or something. You're already trying to steal all the jobs <laughs> since uh, it was uh, announced. Well, you know, I'm, I'm on a payroll with Jory Pearson, so I'd have to be doing this, you know. <laughs> the, um, uh, yeah, Dublin, vote Dublin. Bring, bring the WBC. I think the WBC... Maybe you should have some green T-shirts done, mate, with just vote Dublin. I, I, Hashtag I, vote Dublin. Well, I think it would make more sense as well to just have the WBC in one country every year. But did you and like just pick the, the last one it was held in, for example. Okay, did just, you not know that London was the coffee capital of the world? Uh, I did not know we that. We created it. I'm, I'm sure you colonised it at some stage. We did. The, we uh, did. We oppressed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it would... Um, it would... Yeah, I don't know. It would make sense. Mm. Their offices are already sure. here, so you know. Well, no, WCE's offices are here. Yeah, same, same. Mm. I wonder what it means for WC. I wonder whether it's going to mean a change in, like, because that separate company is now needed if it's now joined together. Yeah, it'd probably all get sucked into one umbrella group. Yeah. I think it would take a lot of the pressure off to have to make money. Definitely like, would. Because I think that, that, that can be... That can be drawn away from the competitions. I yeah. think you know the the need to make all of that money, and I think the organisations between them make enough money to maybe subsidise them a little bit, so Possibly. we don't have to rely on sponsorship quite so much, and don't have to ruin the competitions because of sponsorship. Yeah, just get more education focused, and yeah, I think that's the uh, the definite win. Yeah, no, we should get somebody on. I think we should get like Carl Sarah on or something. He can tell us all about it. Well, you just want to get Carl on because you've got a man crush on him. Anyone that doesn't know, I'd just like to point out, me and Steve have seen Carl Sarah in his pants. And it was a f- wonderful sight first thing in the morning. Amazing. Yeah. Making us coffee. Morning glory. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly onwards. So we haven't really spoken since WBC, have we? We haven't. We haven't. Well, we've uh, spoken, we not on the podcast. Like, No, we, we actually only ever speak on podcast. I thought you only existed in Skypland. Yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a good week that week? I didn't... I wasn't here very long. So like, I came on the Wednesday and I saw the stage... And then I got really drunk with the crew on Wednesday night and lay in bed Thursday morning. <laughs> you know what we should do, though? Because I think, okay, one of the general consensus they got from everybody, okay, was that it was great to have loads of coffee people in Dublin, right? Mm-hmm. And then the coffee people that came had a great time. We should do, like, a Dublin coffee thing. Maybe we could call it, like, Tampa Tantrum Live? The Dublin Coffee Festival. Uh... No. No, no more coffee festivals, please. But we, let's do a Dublin thing every year, will we? Because you know that... Like, I'll organise it. All you got to do is to wear a red suit. Fantastic. And I, what I, what I, I promise you that no matter what it is, you can be MC and you can wear what you like. I'm on my way. Cool. I'm here. Um, well, like, if anyone has any, any ideas for stuff you would like to come to Dublin once a year, like mad food for coffee, mm-hmm. we could do that, couldn't we? I'm sure we could. I think, I think is this another one of those like light bulb moments? Oh, I'm absolutely adamant. The world I think it would be great for the city. I think it would be great for 3FE. I think that was be... Colin moving the chair, not farting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's coming in episode four. Um, the Yeah, I think it would be great. We should do that. Yeah. I don't see why we can't. It'd be good fun. Yeah, no, definitely. It's I'm... good to get people coming to do I mean, I remember the first Tampa Tantrum when people came in from Russia and from... France and from Germany. And now that, now that um, like that SCAA, SCAE are going to be stationed here full time in Dublin. 
Um, <laughs> Just because you say something, it doesn't make it happen. Yes, it does. There will be no problems. Don't talk to Apple. Um, it'll be fine. <laughs> money was just resting in our account. Tell me the thing you told me about Apple earlier, because I'm sure internationally people may not know. Uh, so Apple, apparently, the government, the deal that the government in Ireland struck with them, apparently is what they call illegal. Now, I'd never heard of that either, but they're not allowed to do it, according to the EU. Um, and we're not allowed, we're not Brexiting, so we to still do what the EU tell us to do. So as a consequence, Apple now owe the Irish government uh, 13.6 billion euro, which equates to 2,800 euro per person. Wow. So we're all trying to figure out what we're going to do with our 2,800 euro. But maybe that won't work out that way. As I said to you earlier, you should all buy an iPhone. Maybe. <laughs> I'm sure that's what the government... Like, you paid 2,800 euro for these iPhones? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. That's exactly what's going to happen. To be, to be fair, could you actually pay back the 10 billion pounds we lent you when you went bust? I think we have, Steve. You haven't. I've checked. Could you actually pay us for the 800 years of oppression? Oh, look. You can have all the potatoes you want. I'm oh, sorry. That's offensive. <laughs> um, so I think, but I think WBC went really well. And I think, uh, yeah, it was, it should come here every year. It'd be fine. Yeah. One, Another tenuous link. Go on. You see, I really shouldn't point out the segue, should I? But no. We were talking about going out to dinner during WBC and we went out to dinner with the wonderful Mr. James Hoffman. Yeah. Um, he's podcasting again. Yeah, he is. Um, I've heard he said some really rough guests. Apparently the first guest was really good, but he went downhill. I haven't listened to any of them yet, but the first <laughs> guest was really good, like really charming and charismatic, and the second guest was a bit of a cock. Uh, yeah, so I was the first guest, and <laughs> Gwilym Davies was the second guest. No, you were the second guest. No, I was the first on stage. <laughs> were you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Gwilym. <laughs> I, I seriously haven't listened to it. And it, it Do you I know what? I think to... that might be the first time in history that anyone said, that Gwilym Davies, he's a cock. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've heard lots of people said nasty things about it, but that's not a word I'd ever associate I love with. The, I love being the first at stuff, though. Definitely, yeah. Like, um, now, I, I want to listen to it. I haven't got round to it. But okay. Like, sell, it, sell it to me and sell it to our podcast listeners who may need more. Well, first of all, I'm in there. To. Second of all... Um, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I'm, I'm in. So it's like my dream tamper tantrum. <laughs> so the, but the thing is... I did wonder why you kept calling me James. <laughs> why do you make me dress up like this? It's like, why are you wearing those glasses? <laughs> it's a funny thing, though, because when he pitched the idea... Well, not pitched the idea when he told me this is what we're going to be doing. I was like, you're doing a podcast about hiring people. I was like, that's a bit weird. But I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go with this because it's James. And James doesn't really have stupid ideas. And uh, I enjoy doing the podcast, but it's always a bit weird trying to decide whether you like your own podcast or not. Uh, and then I listen to one with Gwilym and it's it's great. And it's just, and it's like, because I do obviously, and you do a lot of podcasts. And what I always say to people is that the, like the topic almost becomes, and the agenda becomes secondary. Like the real, like it's just the, it's the third and fourth and fifth point that you make about something that becomes interesting because you get an insight into what that person is like and how they think. Because if, if you ask them the question, they give like a direct enough answer, they'll back it up and you go, okay, yeah. And then they go, eh, and I suppose I can also look at it like this and that's when you're into the real meaty stuff. And like, I think like James is similar to Stephen in the sense that you could almost like, James could do a podcast on toilets and it would be interesting. Like he'd still listen to it. And um, he's clever at putting kind of form and structure into it. So I think he's probably my favourite presenter in coffee. Like whenever he does talks, like he kind of, like, yeah, I, I... You'd call him a cock, though, wouldn't you? Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I would. But then I'm really rude and I've got the anger issues. Bet you he wouldn't curse on his podcast. Mm, well, he wouldn't say the words like poo and wee and <laughs> willy. And all the other ones we say. Yeah. No, but I think it's, it's, I think it's really good. And the, the coffee jobs board has become like a pretty uh, successful venture all by itself as well. Mm. So. No, it is. I mean, I, I, I've used it once to advertise a job and um, we got some really quality applications from it as well. I think we got really, we were like we shortlisted to six really solid, good people and, you know, we've managed to employ a really good person from it as well. So I'm a, I am a fan of that. So I should definitely get listening to uh, the podcast. I, I promise to go and listen. I, in fact, I might listen on my flight home tonight from Distair Dublin. Yeah, no, it's definitely one to listen to. Um, I was thinking as well, um, I think we, we, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, uh, about uh, when you were talking about Bolivia and how it's kind of you're going there, it's difficult to get to and all that kind of stuff. Do you think that that side of the coffee industry is kind of, I don't want to say dying away, but it's 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 like for a long time that, uh, and this is completely jumping in a different direction, but like it seemed like for a long time that everybody that was getting into coffee would do that. But what I'm seeing lately is that a lot of people are getting into coffee, roasting coffee, and aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a definite change in, um, like, I think I think there was a time when, for green importers, really there was just McCanter that were doing a good job, mm-hmm. and I think everybody else was trying to play catch up. Yeah. Um, I think since then there's been a lot more players come on the scene that have made it easier, so you actually don't have to go and find your own coffee. And I'm much more willing to do like moving coffees for people as well. Like that was always a problem that um, like McCanter were very protective. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Stephen won't mind me, me saying like he never wanted to move coffee for people. Like yeah. he occasionally did for me if I asked him really, really nice. But that's because we were, we were, were buying a big whiskey. customer for him and we were buying him whiskey. Yeah. Um, but it was not something they wanted to do where there's been a, on the scene, there's been a lot of new roasters uh, importers come on sorry that are willing to move lots you don't need to necessarily go to origin to find great coffee there's more quality coffee available from importers and more selection um so we are seeing less and i think there's also access to roasters so like i know union have just opened uh like a roaster that you can go and hire and you can roast your own coffee from a la uh, bureau and i exactly. suppose i know it'd be o bureau wouldn't it well i think yeah because be, like you pluralize that a la becomes a u x b o bureau and before that there was the new york stephen maresh one as well that uh, i can't remember the name of but yeah. yeah i mean it's not a new idea but it's it's starting to kind of creep into here and oh yeah, we all often get people saying, can we use your roaster? And I say, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even let people drive my car. So I'm like, why would you let me use a roaster? But I think uh, it's definitely an area that's going And that will change as well. I, I, I mean, I put, I, I've been quite vocal about this, so it's not... No. Yeah. But I think no. I, <laughs> don't I, say that to you. <laughs> I, I don't think... No. <laughs> I, See, if this... Now, okay. If, this is, if I was you, right... I would just keep this going forever, all right? Now, I just want you to be thankful I'm going to stop doing it now, okay? Okay. You can talk again. Um, I don't think it's... No! Last time. (laughs) Um, I don't think it's a particularly good idea to improve coffee. I think you only become good at roasting by wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. Wash, rinse, repeat. Like, we do 70 roasts a day in our roastery. We get good at it because we do it all the time. You know, you drive a car. What? <laughs> Sorry. What? 
No one is laughing at nothing, Mark. No, come on. I was holding a laugh in for like a minute and I just couldn't hold it in anymore. I was laughing at, no! <laughs> Sorry. No, you're, you're right. No, you've, you've always said it. It's like yeah. pulling shots. It's, yeah. You get good at it by doing well, it. Well, exactly. I remember you telling me about how you become a good barista and I was like, how does he know? But, um, <laughs> I read it in a book. <laughs> but it is. It's about, you know, it's muscle, it's muscle memory. It's... You know, it's reactions. It's like when somebody says, why are you doing that? Well, because I am. Yeah, because <laughs> it becomes intuitive. Yeah. And and I think, you know, turning up and hiring a spouse, and I'm sure Tim Styles will have lots to say about this. I'm sorry, Tim. Um, no. <laughs> I need to stop. I'm annoying myself. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, I just think it's hot. It, it's not going to improve the quality of coffee that we have. Uh, the quality of coffee that's available in shops when somebody starts thinking, well, I'll roast myself. First of all, it limits the access to the green they have. Like I only have access to, and we have access to the green we have because of the amount that we buy, we can go and we can say we want a container full of this or two containers full of yeah, this. Yeah, we never had that problem. Yeah. No, no, but, you know, <laughs> it's true. It's like that, that's where the quality comes from. Completely. Um, it doesn't come from buying the same coffee as everybody else and roasting it really badly because you do it twice a week. Yeah, and having to shift it if you buy the whole lot yeah. is a difficult thing. Exactly. So I, I'm, listen, I understand the desire to roast. Um, I understand the desire to um, sell more green coffee and give people what they want, but I don't know. I just don't. I, if you have a sandwich shop, do you go and borrow somebody's bakery to bake your own bread? Ooh, I'm glad you brought that up. No, I'm not. Actually, we are doing some no. wrong bread. <laughs> don't use that against me. That's my. That's our word. Okay? Um, but yeah, it's a difficult one because I think, like you spent. The guts of two years telling me not to roast, and I did it anyway. But the only but I only let you do it when you sent Monica and Simon to me for like six weeks, yeah. So I could beat them into doing this, do that. And the the reasons that would make it difficult for somebody to do it are all reasons that you just got out of the way for us. Yeah. So things like having access to green coffee, having um, uh, like the the guys were able to train in a scenario where they're roasting a lot of coffee. Yeah. Um, it and wasn't a slow build up. You know, and, also just, first, and also, the first. And also, when you started roasting here, you'd already got that massive exactly, you know, yeah. bulk of orders already. We did like a half <clears> ton of roaster or of, of customers already. Like you've never been a micro roastery. No, I remember that because uh, so Steve used to always tell me um, that because when I first met Steve, like being a micro roastery was a really important thing, and the general consensus across the board on on the internet forums was that once you did more than thirty five tons, you weren't. A micro roaster anymore now i don't know where 35 tons came from it probably came from a person it's, actually, it's, it's 50 tons uh, no, it's 35 man okay 35. so roast magazine for yeah. their roaster of the year their criteria to be micro roaster is 50 tons or less now yeah okay but it wasn't then i can't i don't think they were around then but because i remember the first year we roasted coffee we roasted i think it was 42 tons or something yeah. and i'm gleefully emailing you saying we failed in our attempt to set up a micro roaster <laughs> Um, because this, I can't remember I don't know who it was but do you remember James Hoffman coming back from New Zealand and telling me that somebody got up and spoke at that at the event they were speaking at and said a micro roaster is a roaster with no customers which <laughs> 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 is a pretty uh, harsh way to look at it but it's the other thing is it's going to happen like people are going to start buying roasters and roasting their own coffee and like it's um, I think it's uh, that market is going to I don't believe that large well not medium-sized roasteries like yours or like mine or like ours would um would break and fall apart because i think that there's room for everything but i do see a lot of small roasteries coming on board and doing middling to poor jobs 
No, I mean, I, think I, I, I tend to, to agree that, you know, the smaller roasters, like, although the... the and excellent jobs. Yeah. Some of them will do excellent jobs. It's inevitable. I suppose you give a monkey a typewriter. Okay, put it this way, right? If you... If, if, I, I okay, if me and you... Okay. When I started, I was a terrible roaster. Okay, but no, if me and you, okay, if, if you called me up and said, you know what, Steve, Colin, I've had enough. And I'm like, you know, that's weird, Steve. I've had enough as well. It's like, right, let's sell everything up. So we sold everything up, right? And we moved to... Um, a town in the south of France bought a little shop there next to a market and we bought like a little three kilo roaster and your job is to roast a coffee my job is to serve it would we do a good job? Only because of the experience we'd had before Yeah so in some scenarios it will be excellent We'll be releasing details of this new shop in the coming weeks I was going to say you haven't told me anything about this coffee It would be nice actually That's yeah. beautiful It would be nice oh. Would we have to share the same bed? That would be weird. <laughs> that would be really weird, Steve. To be fair, Yvonne has asked me to stop doing that. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we should definitely do that. Somewhere down near, what's that island? Um... Island? No, it's an <laughs> island off the south, near La Rochelle. It's off the coast of France. Ile de Ray. Mm. Yeah. Can we not just go a bit further and go to um, San... Saint-Tropez? No, what's it? no, not San. What's that place where all the restaurants are in North Spain? San Sebastian. San Sebastian. Well, we've already got Sakona doing it there, so yeah. we need to be the new third wave guys in town. Yeah, no, but we can go and crush them. Yeah, crush you. <laughs> Do you hear that, Juan? Do you hear that, Javier? We're coming for you, Javier. We've threatened a lot of people this week. We have. We've been very aggressive, aren't we? Maybe it's all this aggressive takeover in that's making us aggressive. Yeah. So, um, as part of our charade of Johnny Big Balls, we're going to New York soon. New York. No. <laughs> I'm very excited about New York. So I started. I was there the same, virtually the same time last year. Really? Yeah. Oh, for the marathon. Yeah, yeah. How'd I go? A few weeks. Terrible, um, but hopefully this time there'll be less running, more drinking. Yeah. So we had running temper tantrum on the Sunday. Which running. Is... We running temper tantrum. <laughs> no running. No. Which is the twenty. Is that the sun? We did this on the Sunday. Yeah, it's the twenty fifth. Are we? Yeah. Why am I going so early then? I don't know. Holiday! <laughs> I hope the so tax man isn't listening. Today. The, um, yeah, so we should, we, if you are, not even if you are in New York, if you're anywhere, you should go for that. So I think the tickets are selling pretty well. They're almost sold out. And then we have our list of speakers. Almost sold out means we'd like to sell some more. Yeah. <laughs> and now then, I have actually, I'm actually really surprised because they don't normally sell to much closer to, but we've had, I think we're well over halfway, yeah. which is fantastic. And then we have a list of the speakers on the, on the website and Twitter feed and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, then it's, it's going to be a pretty cool city to come and do stuff. I'm very excited to see Taylor Street space because I, I, I purposely... So Jen got a phone out to show me pictures of the venue. I was like, nope, I don't want to see it. I want to be surprised when I get there. So I'm looking forward to just walking in and going, wow. Awesome. So um, It I'm, is kind of that place for like in business when you're doing well... Oh, I'm going to open a place in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I spent um, I spent a week with Mr. Tali in uh, Rwanda. Really? Yeah. Uh, and I got talking lots Andrew. to about... Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, got talking to about their expansion and what they've been doing. They did, they did a little bit of crowd, so crowdfunding. Got a good chunk of money from crowdfunding. Wow. I think it's one and a half million. Wow. Um, I'm sure you won't mind me saying. I'm sure it's out there that people... Oh, it's crowdfunded. It's, it's crowdfunded. It's outdoor. So, yeah. It's definitely but, um, outdoor. I, I was very interested in like how they, their plans to expand and what they're looking to do and 
very excited. I mean, they're roast. The reason he was in Rwanda is, you know, they're roasting themselves very soon in the UK. They're not going to do that for the US one. They're going to keep with um, uh, counterculture. Yeah. Um, but for the UK, they're going to be roasting their own. They've just bought a lorry that's been installed and uh, doing all of their own roasting, which is an exciting project for them. Nice. Uh, where are we going for coffee in New York, Stephen? Ooh, there's lots of places. because I always send... Box Coat's one of my favourites. I always send everybody to every man. Yeah. And I've never been there. I like Box Coat. I really like the Intelligentsia one in the hotel. Oh, yeah, I was there. See, I've been to New York. I went to New York 10 years ago with my wife before she was my wife. And um, that makes it sound like she was somebody else's wife. She wasn't somebody else's wife. And <laughs> we went... Uh, and I've been twice since, but on both occasions for less than 24 hours. So like just go in, do a presentation, leave. I but, once went for nine hours. Yeah. Yeah, I was on a layover and I just, it was in, I arrived in the morning and I just went into town and did like nine coffee shops in nine hours and got on the plane and gibbering wreck. Oh, I remember that, yeah. yeah. It's funny because the weird thing at New York is that it's, it, I, I always find it weird that people live there. It was like, this is a film. You can't live in a film. Know. You know what I mean? It is. It's it just is weird. It's so surreal. But I, I really liked Box Coat. That was probably my favourite place. And also there was, uh, what were they called? The Nordic something or other. We did, I did a cup in there and it was lots of fun. Um, if um, you're if you're in New York uh, and you work in a coffee shop, will you tweet me like at Dublin Barista, and I'll come see you because I, you know, I like going to coffee shops where I at least have a hmm? you know chance of getting a free coffee here. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, like right, I just like to you want free t-shirts. What well. do you want to see a smiling face? You know what I mean. You yeah. want to know where to go. And if someone's listening to this, then you've got to be sure that like they know stuff about coffee. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'd like to go, because I, I don't know, it seems like New York has less places for good coffee than it should. That's my impression. No, you, you honestly completely wrong. Really? Yeah, yeah. That I, I, I've had some amazing coffee in New York. Like last time, last year when I went and like went round. Are they all new places? Stuff. There's a lot of new places. Okay, well there. And maybe that's the point I meant <clears> to make. The scene there is really kicked off. It's, it really has. Um, I, I was very impressed. Like I downloaded the New York coffee app thing yep. and it was very good. It managed to uh, show me lots of fun places to go. New York coffee app. I should probably do that. Yes. And then I started a thread on Facebook, which I'm constantly bumping about where I should eat food. Mm. I saw that and it was like 42 comments, I think I saw this morning. Yeah. And the more comments I'm making, the more people come back to it. So yeah. what I'm trying to do is to come up, we only have a few days, so it's to try and come up like a, with a group coffee shops and restaurants and bars in areas so that you can do most of them in the day to so be really efficient about it. Mm. So I need to put on a stone when I'm there. That's my intention. <laughs> no, I'm very much looking Shake Shack. I've never been to Shake Shack. I'd like to go to Shake Shack. No, I'm not to Shake Shack. Didn't even know what Shake Shack is. Really? Yeah. What is it? I'll give you the book. Is it the Shack for Shakes? I'll give you the book. Okay. It's knocking around here somewhere. Is it like Voodoo Donuts for milkshakes? I don't know what Voodoo Donuts is. It's in Portland. And it's, it's more about burgers, actually. Is it? Yeah. Ooh, I love burgers. Um, yeah. So, and then there's like a few restaurants. Like, I want to go to... Um, Momofoku and Don't swear. No I want need. to go to um I can't even remember any of them now, just because I'm trying to think of them. <laughs> but like proper pizza. Like pizza in New York is different. I'm trying to think what the ramen place I went to. It was for my birthday. And it was Ivan Ramen. Where's that? It's it's in Brooklyn somewhere. Is it excellent? Um it has an amazing reputation. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little disappointed. It's weird because a lot of people told me to go to Cat's Deli. Yeah. And then two people messaged me saying, don't go to Cat's Deli, it's not good. 
Oh, I went somewhere and I can't remember the name of it, but it was for brunch and oh my days. Balthazar, I've always wanted to go to Balthazar. Apparently they, 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 they re- they're a Michelin star. They've got a Michelin star in the evenings, but their brunches are just for not the best brunch I've ever eaten. And the name is? I can't remember. Stephen. I can't Stephen. remember. Stephen. I can't remember. I will, know, I will know by the end of today. Okay. Because, yeah, we need to make a I could, t- I could send a text message now if you like and find out. Yeah, you should do that. <laughs> Definitely gets me out of the hump. Yeah. So what's... Okay, so actually, we have about 10 minutes, so... This is me tapping the text message. Here's a good one. So around about now, I think it's a good time to reassess your goals for the year. And I think September... Because you're coming out of the summer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do you want to do for the rest of the year? My diary's already full till the end of the year. But what do you want to achieve? Filling your diary is one thing. But what do you want to achieve for the rest of the year? Like, what's uh, what's exciting you about the next year? Uh, or the rest of the year? I'm really, really excited about Kenya this year. I think our Kenyans this year have been out of the park good. And I'm going back. I didn't go last year. I went the year before. You're going in November? Yeah. And I'm also taking uh, Roland and uh, Simon from... Yeah. That should be a hoot. That's going to be, oh my God. Like It's going to be like, I'm just a geeky the side of me. I'm going to die. Next one, I know one. Estrella or Estelle. Estelle or Estelle. Okay, yeah, that rings a bell. It's really good. We're definitely going there. Okay. My treat. Monday morning brunch. Yeah, my it's, treat. It's a date. Yeah. Not that kind of date. Uh, no. Um, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, Kenya's exciting. I tell you what I'm looking forward to, and after just slagging off coffee festivals, um, uh, Cup North are changing the night. They're changing the Manchester Coffee Festival. They ripped off my Dublin Coffee Festival. They did. They ripped it off. Um, And I really like Cup North. Yeah, it's um, it's It's kind of friendly and cosy, and you know, somebody said to me we were walking around. They said, "Oh, it's kind of I can't put my finger. There's just something really nice about it." And somebody said, "It's got no agenda, in a positive way." You know what I mean? Like there's no. It just feels like it's for coffee. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm excited because we're doing tamper tantrum with that. We are doing ta- a different kind of tamper tantrum too. Maybe I should do I Love Cupping to make up for foot cupping last year since I've gotten so much trouble. No, you're it. doing no more talking now. Okay, sorry. You've talked enough. Um, I don't think it's going to be that kind of tamper tantrum. Are we shifting gear? Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to do coffee throwing anymore. I can. <laughs> I'm gonna stand outside on my own throat bags of coffee. I won't let him die. Damn you, coffee producers! We're gonna launch coffee catching. So you have to throw it, and you have to run after it and catch it. And if you fail to catch it, and the beans burst on the floor, then you are an evil oppressor. <laughs> Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm gonna throw one bean at a time. Awesome. Yeah. Um, now I'm really excited about what's uh, about about that. Um, I don't know, I'm just surviving at the minute, Carl. You know how much has been going on in my personal life the last 18 months. I'm just hanging on by my fingernails. 18 months? Okay, forever. Is it 42 but, years? Yeah, yeah, but more so. More so, I'm just hanging on by my fingernails. And I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this year being over. I really am. Well, actually, one thing that I always say I'm going to do every year, and I don't do it, and I'm definitely going to do it this year. And actually, I haven't asked you yet, and I meant to ask you, so you can call me and Trevor are going to do it. So we're going to go watch um, the Classico in Barcelona. I'd like to do that. Cool. Yeah, I'd love to do that. It feels like it needs to be a foursome, though. Uh, Dave Walsh? Yeah. It's interesting. I, so I wanted to talk about this 
and I was it came up in conversation when when I was away, and it was like, how come coffee people like hate football? Yeah, what's wrong with coffee people hating the football? Like, the only people I know in coffee that like football are you and Dave Walsh. I was thinking about this recently because the uh, okay. My experience of what I did at work when I wasn't working, like you go and get a cup of tea or something or smoke a cigarette or whatever when you're at work, you talk about football. Yeah. I'd, I never do that in work. No? Nobody I work with likes football. And every time, every now and again, someone's just like, so how are Liverpool doing? And I'm like, yeah, they're doing good. Oh, big year for those Red Devils. I'm like, that's United. Oh, and it's like... So, it's so like Jamie spooked me today talking about Middlesbrough. I've never heard him talk about football. Yeah. He's just sucking up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just because they beat us. Yeah. And that's the only time anybody ever talks football in coffees. Like they may come from the city and or have some connection to the city and they beat us, so then suddenly they'll start talking about it. And it's a very odd thing. I don't understand why. There's uh what's the dude's name? Um Devin forgotten his surname oh the guy what's it, the, he used to work at Octane um, ben. Ben, ben, ben loves football he's, he's an Arsenal fan so it's not really football it's kind of like um, yeah but I think there should be like a, a, like at least a hashtag for football fans in coffee or something uh, F F C what's that oh, okay. football fans coffee yeah, that's definitely... Uh, I don't know, it's an odd one. It is a real odd one. I don't know why I wanted to talk about that because it's a very short conversation. And it feels like it's come to an instant death. But um, it was just... Devin Chapman. Just... Yeah? Devin Chapman, yeah. Because okay. he supports... Um, uh, I think it's the Seattle Sounders, is that what they're called? Yes. I have, I have their... And Billy Wilson is a football fan. Is he? Yeah. He supports the Portland Timbers. Is that what they're called? Yeah. They're yeah. not real football sides, though, are they? No, I don't know. I think they're, they're fairly... Um, it's Portland. where people go to die. <laughs> Port- yeah. Robbie Keane is there. Exactly. Where people go to die. There's only two Keanos. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I, can, I can audibly hear Jen gritting her teeth because we're going to talk about coffee. So this is probably a good place to leave it off. Um, it's been fun to do one with you again, actually. Yeah, it's been lovely to see you. Just make a habit of it. Thank you for letting me come. Might be a future in this. There could be. If you ever came to the UK... When was the last time you came to see me? Can you remember? Uh, no. <laughs> me neither. I came in and stopped, as you say in the UK. I stopped in, in uh, oh, yeah, you, Birmingham. Oh, yeah, you did come to Birmingham. That's true. Yeah, that's because you wanted to beat me up, though. Yeah, that was February. Yeah. But I need another reason. Mm-hmm. We should go to, let's say, Nottingham, find a restaurant. Nottingham's quite cool, actually. It's really good. There's a Hooters there. Really? Yeah. It's the only Hooters in the UK. Is, is Sat Baines not there as well? Oh, he is, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you actually, you promised to take me to Sat Baines, haven't you? No, I promised you would take me. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I Do you not know me. I've got no money? I have the text message to prove it. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, shit. No, I didn't agree to that. Well, I did. Okay. So, on that note... Sorry, Jen. Uh, we'll get... Buying your tickets to New York and we'll meet you all there and see if we'll buy a brunch on Monday. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's been fun. Thank at, you. it is E-S-T-E-L-A-N-Y-C.com. Estella. Yeah. Estella, New York City. Awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. It's honestly, fantastic brunch. And on that note, thank you, Colin. No. No. Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.